that comes from God. The reason a lot of people don't achieve very much in life oftentimes is because they're planning off of their own ideals rather than off of what God has planned and the doors that God opens. And to catch the vision of how those dreams are going to come to pass as God orders your steps. And that's something really to look into because we need to understand that ideals proceed from man but dreams and vision is from God. Nightmares are from the enemy. And he'll torment you with them. He'll even cast fear into your life through nightmares. But we need to understand God wants to bless us daily. That's the important part of being in his word daily. If you're not in his word, all you can do is come up with the best that you can come up with, and that's your own ideal. That's your own ideal. And you set plans for your ideal. And remember what God says in the Psalms? Is that he thinks the plans of man. He's the one who cancels your plans. Not that they're a failure. They've been canceled by God because they're really not of him and they do not achieve what he wants in your life. By living in God's word, we are blessed because out of his word grows our faith. That's number one. If you have your pen, write it down somewhere. Out of God's word comes faith. Now understand this. Your faith will not grow outside of God's word. Your faith will not grow outside of God's word. You have to be in God's word in order for your faith to grow. Faith comes by hearing God's word. And when you read it, you're reading it out loud to yourself and you're hearing it. Or if you read it silently, you're hearing it inside. Faith comes through God's word. Secondly, it allows us to see more. It allows us to see and understand more when we're in God's word. And our confidence is not in ourselves. It's in God. It's in God. So with that, let's stop and pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, O oh God, that we can look to you to teach us, to instruct us, to show us, Lord, how to live as your people. And we want to gather from your word insight that we might understand your ways. Because we understand your ways are much higher than ours. But only by being in your word will we begin to understand some of what you are doing in our life and through our life and in the lives of others. So we pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you will illuminate your word to us today, 
you will allow it to be revelation unto our hearts and minds, and that your Holy Spirit would truly minister to us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's in God's Word that we ourselves begin to be confident in who we are. If you're not in God's Word, you're not confident about your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not confident in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And you'll always be doubting if he'll do what he says he will do. Because you're not in his word. But we learn from his word. And that gives us confidence. And the Bible calls that a sure hope. A sure hope in Jesus Christ. God said it. And the little sign says, I believe it. Because he said it. And we have to understand. We want to hear from him. And through the word of God, God speaks to us. Through the word of God, God speaks to us. Out of him speaking to us comes our dreams and our vision. They come directly from God. The dreams that you have for your own personal life, for the life of your children, if you're praying and you're in God's word, he opens that up. And he is the one who begins to establish your steps in order that you might achieve the dream and see them come to reality and see that vision begin to take place. He said it. The question is, do you really believe it? Now I want you to go with me to 1 John chapter 2, verses 24 through 27. 1 John chapter 2. And I want you to catch what he's going to say because far too often we're trusting and leaning upon the wrong folks. And we need to understand we have a God who will teach us. We have a God who will show us his truth. We have a God who will open our eyes that we might see that we can follow him. He does that that we might understand that he is the one who is truly going to teach us and we have to trust him. Now, you and I have to come to that place do I really believe what God is saying? And that's oftentimes our trouble. We don't want to really have confidence in this book. We see it as a history book. We see it as a book of poetry. We see it as some other type of book other than God's word speaking to us. So in that verse 24, he begins and he says, let me get my eyes focused there. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. That's something you have to do. That which you learned in those ABCs from your very beginning, he says, you make sure that remains with you. You don't lose it. As you grow in your faith, there's always going to be somebody trying to challenge you to step out of it, to go into spiritualism, or go into metaphysics, or go into something else. And he says, 
See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does not, you will remain, if it does, you will remain in the Son and the Father. And this is what he has promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you where? Astray. Astray. There are those who will always be trying to lead you in a different way other than God's way. And he says, they're trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. Now what we want to discover here is this. What is the anointing? Well, we have a lot of people saying or talking about the anointing that time. And the question is, what is the anointing? The anointing here is a person. And we're going to discover that person in Scripture. The anointing is a person. Is a person. And he says, As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. Now you've got to ask, what did you receive from him? The Holy Spirit. That was his promise to us. That we would receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, remains in you and you do not need now catch this you do not need anyone to teach you i'm not here so much to repeat to teach you as i am to remind you remind you of what of what god has already said there's nothing i can add to or i can take away from there's nothing new at this point that god has given but what's in his word? And it is the Holy Spirit then that has to take the message of God and impart it into your life and make it a reality. I can do nothing with your heart, but the Holy Spirit can. I can do nothing with your mind, but mess you up. But the Holy Spirit can straighten it out. The Holy Spirit can give you understanding. The Holy Spirit really gives you truth of God's word, that this is truth. And he goes on and he says, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches. Now catch what he just said, don't need anybody to teach you, but as his anointing teaches. So as the Holy Spirit teaches. I'm not the real teacher. Tony Evans is not the real teacher. Charles Swindoll is not the real teacher. No human being is the real teacher. The real teacher is the Holy Spirit who is able to anchor God's word in your heart and in your life. And he said, you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, once you hang on to that all things, that here he speaks and declares, the anointing will teach you all things. And as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, 
He declares something about the Holy Spirit. We don't see him, but he wants us to know that he's real. He's real. And he's not a counterfeit. So he's wanting us to know that there will be spirits who will try to counterfeit the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you have to be very much aware of that. Just as it has taught you, remains in you. Now, go to John chapter 14. St. John chapter 14. Because the Holy Spirit is going to reveal the truth here to us through his word. We're going to start in verses 16 and 17 at first. 14 and verse 16 and 17. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of what? Of truth. The spirit of truth. That's one of the titles of the Holy Spirit. He's a spirit of truth. He teaches truth. That's why no man can really teach you. Because man is not the spirit of truth. But the Holy Spirit is. And he teaches you if you allow him to do it. But he'll only teach you from God's word. From God's word. Now it's good to read a lot of other authors who God has blessed. But there is no book like the Bible, for it is the Holy Spirit who is the author of this book. And he's the one who will take this book and write it upon your heart, and he will develop the behavior in you that is pleasing to God. He develops a character, a behavior, the way you live, that is pleasing to God. That's his purpose. And he goes on in verse 17, he says, The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Now it says the world doesn't see him. Now guess what? We don't see him. What we see is the effects of his work in our life. You don't see the Holy Spirit per se. You see the effects of his work in your life. And he goes on, and he says down in that verse 26. Jump down into verse 26 with me. Because I'm going to get these eyes all focused here. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, when the Father will sin in my name. Now, remember what I told you to hold on to over there in 1 John chapter 2? All things. Listen to what it says about the Holy Spirit again. When the Father will sin in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. But his job is to teach you all things. 
teaching concerning all the things of God, that you yourself will be well equipped to answer any man of the hope that is in you, that you'll be well equipped to do any ministry that God assigns to you, that you'll be well equipped as a Christian to stand against the fiery darks and the storms that are going to come your way. It is the work of the Holy Spirit who performs such things in your life. It is by the reading of God's Word we develop dreams and visions. It is by the reading of God's Word. Because as you read God's Word, He gives you insight into His desires, into His will. And when you know God's will, hopefully you desire to perform God's will. And when you begin to live that will out, the Holy Spirit strengthens you that you might be able to do what is pleasing to God. Now, God is the one who gives us and develops the dreams and the visions for this life's work that might truly honor Him. And that's what every dream and, uh, and work or vision should do. Honor God. Now, dreams and vision is the ability to recognize God's presence. Because whenever God assigns something to you, in most cases, it's going to be beyond your ability to perform without the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's going to be a work or a task that is difficult to perform without the empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life and seeing God's presence. That's what gives you encouragement to continue on. It's not the pats on the back. It's not what others will say because people will go either way depending on how things are going. But the Holy Spirit knows what God wants to accomplish in your life. And he is the one who will encourage you as you continue to move on. And you'll see the presence of God. You'll perceive God's power because you know it's not your power that is performing or doing or opening the doors or bringing the things in that are needed or the people who will give you favor. You'll see God's power at work. And this then causes you to stay focused on God's plan. If you don't see God in it, you don't see God's presence and his power at work, you will abandon that plan very quickly. And that's why God allows you to be able to see his presence, his power, because it causes you to focus even more upon what he has assigned you to and the plan that he desires for you to tackle. And in spite of the obstacles, you're able to perform it. Vision is looking at life with divine perspective. Vision gives you the ability to see what God sees. 
and to be able to stay at it. Now I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Now I want you to take a look at this man who was once in darkness. And we need to understand in this it's opening our eyes also to allow us to know we ourselves were once in darkness. And some of us may still be in darkness because we're not in his word. Barnabas was blind. And the scripture says we're blind if we don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. We're blind, many of us, because we choose to be blind because we will not get into his word and therefore we only see with human eyes rather than with spiritual eyes. God brings us out of darkness into light that we truly might see. We can see a little bit in the darkness. But in the light, we see a great deal. We see a great deal more in the light than we do in darkness. And blindness <clears throat> is a form of darkness. And in the dark, you don't have clarity. Nor do you have understanding. And we need to understand that. That in the darkness sometimes, we don't have clarity. And we're not able to see everything God wants us to see. <clears throat> By seeing, Bartimaeus was able to see what he once could not see at all. Now he's able to see. Secondly, by seeing, he could do more. When you really see what God has for you, you wind up doing more. Always. Because in the flesh, you're always limited. In the flesh, you're always limited. And Bartimaeus was limited because he was in darkness and he couldn't see. Thirdly, <clears throat> by seeing, he saw people differently. And when you really see with the eyes of the Lord, you see people differently. And by seeing, <clears throat> you can see your roadmap. <clears throat> you can follow your GPS, which is for the Christian is Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that <clears throat> in Scripture. Now, when you get into verse 37 of Luke 18, it says, 
they told him Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. That Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. Now just come back up to 35 for me. I want to paint this picture for you. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, he's sitting by the roadside. But most likely he had other people sit him there, guide him to where he was going to be sitting every day. There was other people who would lead him and take him where he would sit and bathe. But Jesus was coming by. And he heard it. Because he still had his hearing. He still had his ability to speak. So he was using what God had already given him. But yet he was limited because he could not see. But he was using his hearing. He was using his speaking ability. And he heard the motion. He heard the crowd, and he piqued his interest, and he asked this question, what is happening? What is happening? He couldn't see what was happening because of the blindness, but he could hear that something was going on, and at least he had the intelligence to ask, what's happening? A lot of us see, and we don't understand, and we don't even ask the question. What's happening? What's happening to me? What's happening in my life? What's happening? And here's the blind man at least asking and using what he does have, and he asks the question, what's happening? And somebody tells him, Jesus is passing by. That's the opportunity. So most likely he had heard about Jesus. He had heard about the miracles that Jesus had done in the life of others. But he had never been able to be in the presence of Jesus or close to Jesus. But he has heard. A lot of people in America have heard. But they have not asked that Jesus would stop and hear their plea. And he does something. He asked, what was happening? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus! Jesus! He had a voice. And he was crying out to him. A lot of us have a voice, but we don't cry out. A lot of us don't ask what's happening. A lot of us are not even interested. We're so focused just on our problem that we miss the solution to our problem. And we don't cry out to the one who can solve our problem. And the one who can put our feet upon a solid foundation where others are not leading us around, but we can follow him. And he <laughs> shares with us here. 
he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then in 39, those who led the way rebuked him. Why would you rebuke a man crying out for Jesus, crying out for help? Understand something. Satan has his demons all around you, his people all around you, and when you start getting too interested in Jesus, trouble will break out in your life to cause you to focus somewhere else. You're the one who has to be determined enough to even cry out loud, Jesus. And that's what he does. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. He shouted all the more. Why? Jesus, this one he had heard about, this miracle worker, this one who can restore sight, this one who can heal the lame, the one who was able to help them. This was his day, his opportunity, and he was not going to allow it to escape him or bypass him. And he comes right back here and he says, he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And then in verse 40, it says, Jesus stopped ordered the man to be brought to him. Isn't that something? What was Jesus recognizing? The man most likely may not have found his way to Jesus without help. Most of us will not have found our way to Jesus without somebody helping us. Somebody helped you to understand the real need that you have for Jesus Christ. Someone introduced you to Jesus Christ. But you yourself were the one that was crying out for him. Because you knew it was your day. It was your opportunity. And each one of us had to cry out for ourselves. And each one of us have to seek the understanding and want to see him for ourselves. And Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Now understand, Jesus, knowing the heart of all people, knowing the heart of all men, knowing what this man had need of, that he himself says to the man, what is it that you want me to do? Now, the question we have to ask, why would Jesus want the man to explain what he wants done? Why would Jesus, the one who knows everything, who is omniscient, ask such a question? Understand this principle. And I'm not talking about claim it, name it, and claim it. No. In asking, it takes faith to ask. 
It takes faith to ask. To ask for something too hard, too difficult, that man's not able to do, but you can ask God to do it because nothing is too hard for God. Get that through scripture? Nothing is too hard for God. All things are possible with God. But it has to be asked for. Not demanded, but asked for. Not just naming it and claiming it, but asked for. And Jesus asked him, what do you want? Because in forming his question to Jesus, it was going to be a question of faith. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see. Now, what do you really want? What are you asking Jesus for? What are you asking him for? Now, look what Jesus says. Remember what I said? It was an act of faith. Look what Jesus says to him. Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. You formed the question or the answer. Lord, this is what I want. And you speak it in faith to him. You're not commanding him to do. You're not demanding it. I'm asking. And as Christians, we need to learn to ask God to work on our behalf. We don't command him. We don't force him. We don't make him. We ask him. He said, your faith has healed you. Now I want you to see what took place immediately. Because he's going to give us a couple things that take place. I want you to see what takes place when you activate your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you believe that God is able. One, the man is blessed with what? His sight. The man is blessed because Jesus gives him his sight, that which he requested. He said, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight. Now look what else takes place. The moment he received his sight, his total life changed. He no longer needed anybody to lead him. He was now able to follow Jesus with his own eyes. And the word says he followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. Didn't need anybody to lead him. Didn't need anybody to bring him to Jesus. But what he was able to see, he followed. And it changed his whole life. When you start really following the Lord Jesus Christ, he will change your life. He will change your life. 
He doesn't want you to see Pastor Brown. He don't want you to see some famous preacher. He doesn't want you to see some famous orator. He wants you to see the Lord Jesus Christ and you follow him. He received his sight and followed Jesus. And his life changed again. He began to just praise God. When you really follow the Lord Jesus Christ and you get understanding of his word, you begin to just praise the Lord. You begin to just praise the Lord. And then when you begin to praise the Lord, something else takes place. And so he began to praise God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. When people really see you live for the Lord, we talk about witnessing. The greatest witness that you will allow people to see in your life is you yourself believing and walking and following after the Lord. No greater testimony is than when you yourself follow the Lord. Why are we losing so many of our children from the church? Because parents are not walking with the Lord. You have to stay committed and walking with the Lord. Your demonstration of your faith will cause them one day to rise up and praise God. Amen? Amen. God wants you to see. God wants to bless you with spiritual insight. He wants to work in your life. Amen? Amen. Praise him.
I have a friend Don't you know who I 
Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you.